The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. We're just coming back live. And uh, Dr. Sienna Greener Wooten is here with us live. And Art Wilkie is also here with us live. And I want to pause for just a second and have them um, introduce themselves in terms of what their current positions are at the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. So, Dr. Sienna Greener Wooten, would you like to uh, start us off? Sure. Hi everyone, I'm Sienna. I am the Director of Clinical Quality for CARD. So what that means is I make sure that we are taking care of all of our families and all of our clients as best we possibly can and that everyone is making um, amazing progress even in this time where we're kind of having to shift some of our procedures and our our models of therapy and supervision and caregiver training, we're still wanting to make sure that, that we're doing everything we possibly can in the best way we can possibly do it. And thank you so much for your service. I have the opportunity every uh, afternoon, we're doing a, a free webinar series just for our Center for Autism and Related Disorders clients. And I'm on that call with them every afternoon and um, the amount of love and the outpouring of uh, parents thanking you and your team, Dr. Uh, Greener Wooten, is just amazing. I need to be sharing those with you because they're deeply appreciative of everything that you've put in place, honestly. Um, but Art Thanks. Wilkie is also here with us, and Art is also one of my favorite people. When my kiddo was uh, little, Art was one of the most reinforcing things in my son's day, and whenever we had the, the joy, Art didn't visit us very often, but when he did, my son would be so excited and he couldn't say art. He always put an H in front of A and I. So he was heart, 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 heart. And he would be so excited when heart would come to our house because heart had video cameras and he was most excited about that. So Art, why don't you tell the folks at home uh, what your current position is at the Center for Autism and Related Disorders? Currently I set up a uh portion of Sienna's department um, where I oversee um, individuals in all our centers that are capable of obtaining what's called an ABM expert, which is our system for managing, physically managing uh, crisis behavior. Um, so I train those individuals to be able to train the staff in their particular centers, as well yeah. as uh, consulting Sienna's team on various um, problem behavior cases that, that arise in different centers. 
Yeah, and, and that's really why we've invited you guys today because there are a lot of people that are at home that are in a little bit of crisis right now. I mentioned this at the start of the show that um, that even for, for some people, the thought of being home alone with their child is frightening because um, the child's behaviors can spin out of control and sometimes there can be uh, assaultive behavior and, um, and that can be aimed at a caregiver. It can be, there can be destruction, there can be self-injury, there can be um, the hurting of other people. So we, this is a very serious subject and we wanted to take it very seriously for those of you who are at home. And I know many of you are joining us for the first time. Thank you for being here. Art, I know that you have a PowerPoint presentation. What I'd like to do is have you share that right now and I'm, I'm gonna drop my picture out so that it can take up more um, space. And I'm gonna give it over to you guys to talk about this. So is that visible? It is. Don't we love technology? <laughs> All right. So um, again, we're just gonna be talking about potential issues of problem behavior inside your home. Some of the things, um, the first thing to, to explain is that um, problem behavior comes in so many different guises that it's impossible for us to come up with an all-encompassing plan on this particular type of format. So the best I can uh, try to do right now is to just give you a little bit of advice um, as to particular issues that, that often arise. So the very first thing that I would suggest doing is make sure that you establish a routine and try to keep things as normalized as possible in this very unnatural period. Um, so make sure that your weekdays would continue to be just like a normal school day. Um, you know, keep your wake up times consistent, make, keep your bedtimes consistent. Um, just like you Can I just make a suggestion for Dr. Greener Wooten and for Art? If both of you will turn off your camera, then we'll see this a little bit uh, bigger and you might be a little bit more comfortable. So go ahead and turn off your cameras for now, sure. but you can leave here at the bottom it, where it has your little video. There you go. Um, and Art, if you'll click yours, then I think we can get this a little bit bigger. That's your phone, Art. It's the other one that you want to click, the one that has the camera. Looks like a video camera on its side. There we go. And I'm going to mute. So um, again, try to keep your routines as, as normal as possible um, as to what you would have been doing during if this was just a, a typical week and you were sending your child to school and to uh, uh, a center or whatever for receiving particular ABA services. Um, make sure that you set your meal times and snack times so that um, Again, those are things that can be anticipated um, as to when these types of things are going to come. Um, <laughs> I mean, a lot of uh, kids are going to be hanging around the kitchen, constantly looking to eat. Um, so just try and maintain this, this uh, system that this is when meals are. And uh, if necessary, if you have a very picky eater, um, don't be afraid to set a time limit. Sometimes someone has to come into contact with not getting uh, a full meal to understand that, hey, when it's here, I've got I've to eat quickly. Um, 
it doesn't hurt to have a list of chores um, for your child um, if they're capable of following those types of instructions and doing those make sure that they're they're busy um, set up your school time just uh, as, as though it was going to be a normal day um, make sure that you program in family fun time just something where you can all just get together and relax um, do something together as a group um, and then make sure that you establish a bath hygiene routine. Um, it's uh, uh, suggested that you would start this about 45 minutes to 30 minutes prior to whatever your bedtime uh, that you have for your, your child. Um, there's various things that you want to do. You're going to want to get teeth brushed. You're going to want to take a bath or a shower, whatever it's going to be, get put into your PJs. Uh, whatever they're going to wear that that evening and then um, once that's completed then you move into quiet time where you don't uh, allow any use of electronics um, you want to try and get uh, uh, the mind to start shutting down at that time um, and uh, you could do stuff like reading a story read a book various things like that and then move into your bedtime now, we do know that uh, oftentimes um, your children are going to have uh, sleep issues. If your child has uh, disturbed sleep, make sure you bring that up to your BCBA because there are sleep treatments that, uh, and, uh, that we could use in various types of protocols depending on the type of sleep disturbance that your child is displaying that we could try to attend to those issues. So it's very and if, important. If I can jump in there for just a second, maybe if one or both of you, maybe Dr. Greener Wooten, if you can address why establishing the routine is so important with all of our kids, um, not just the ones who are in danger of assaultive behavior management. What's why is this so much the ticket? And you can put your camera back on if you choose. It didn't work the way I wanted it to. <laughs> sure. Uh, let me do that. Okay, um, a lot of our kids really thrive on routines, um, not just right now, but and not just individuals who engage in severe challenging behavior because there is this um, insistence kind of on sameness that can go an inappropriate way. And this is a way we can take that same um, thing and make it more appropriate. So if we establish a routine, then we're sort of playing into something that is deeply comforting for a lot of our kids and our families. So establish the routine that you want them uh, to keep, and that will kind of keep your family going as you know smoothly as, as can happen during this time. And then that way, your kids are learning what to expect at different times. So then they're already starting to think about um, either you know, specific times associated with specific activities or maybe even the sequence of events. So they might start to get used to you know, quiet time with no electronics, which might be really difficult in some situations. They'll start to expect that that always happens after I put on my PJs. So then that is maybe a little less of a struggle to try and um, have compliance with because it's part of a set routine, it's part of a schedule, it's part of a sequence. 
it starts to just be the way things are. So it's a little easier to adhere to some of those aspects of the routine that maybe aren't quite as preferred um, or maybe are things that are not as fun um, typically. So that's that's something that, that can happen across the board um, with any kind of large day routine like Art was discussing here or even smaller routines within a certain time period. So Art, for instance, talked about the bath or the hygiene routine. So even within that one chunk of time, have the same set schedule of events that occur during that time. So um, people can start expecting what you know comes after each other activity and it starts to be a little easier to complete. And in fact, this has been found to be so effective at helping everyone that it's, this is widely being recommended for all of us it, during these times when it feels like so much is out of our control, we're all being encouraged to set a routine um, and to try to stick to it as, to have as much normal as possible. So Art, I'm sorry, I, I jumped in, pick it up where, where you left off. Oh, you're fine. Thanks, Shannon. Um, the other thing that I didn't mention on this slide when you're talking about establishing your routines is one thing that's very, very important along with you, with bedtime is that once your child uh, awakens, get them out of their pajamas, okay? Don't let them lounge around in their pajamas uh, all day long or do schoolwork in them. Um, get them dressed like you would normally would. One of the reasons is, is that... Uh, when you wear those types of clothes, it doesn't become uh, a, a stimulus for them to understand that it's time for bed. So that's why you want to, as part of your bedtime routine and, and bath hygiene routine, is um, that once these, these pajamas go on, that means I need to start settling down and I'm, I'm going to go to sleep. Right. Other things as far as uh, your daily activity schedules, um, use a visual chart um, that goes over the various things that uh, you may be doing over the course of a day um, so that uh, uh, your child can anticipate what's coming next. Um, in many ways, uh, if your child has anxiety over not understanding what's going to happen next, being able to see on this chart what's coming helps alleviate uh, those types of issues. Now, one of the things that we often do um, at a center is that we're going to allow the child to participate in choosing the order in which things are done. So you have some uh, individuals that when there's an activity that they don't particularly like to do, um, they may, depending on, the, on that child, some of them want to get that done first, get it over with. And then the rest of their day feels a lot better for them. While there's others that are obviously going to try and delay that as long as possible. But having that, that, that idea of being able to um, choose for many people can be very, very reinforcing. And that can help establish how, how well your day is going to go. Okay. Um, choices is one of those things that's, that's big in, in many different things that we're going to talk about this morning. So the other thing, bored child's going to get into mischief. All right. So if we don't have those activities planned out, if we haven't made a, a good 
plan on how to use up the, the, the time of your day, that's, uh, that's oftentimes when you're going to see problem behavior starting to arise, or you're going to see fights between your children over various things. So set your environment. Choose the location where you're going to do your schoolwork or your ABA sessions. So um, if you've been going to centers or you've just been, uh, your child's just been going to school, they have to know this area is where things like this are going to occur. Um, and try to use them only for those, those types of activities. Now, if you have a, don't have a lot of space, obviously, you know, we can make do and, and kids are great at adapting. But it's always good to have this kind of visual cue. When I'm in this area, this is what's going to start happening. Okay. Um, also, make sure that you have all the materials that you're going to need. So if you're doing ABA-type sessions, make sure that those materials are present. Okay. Now, if you have someone coming into your, into your home still and they're going to be doing the sessions, um, then they'll still need to be able to have access to those materials and they'll probably be stored there overnight. So we just need to make sure that we know where they are. But if it, it turns out that you're the one that's actually being the, the, the therapist and working with them, you're going to want to make sure that you have all those materials um, easily available. Um, make sure that you have functional communication uh, materials. That's what FCT stands for, uh, functional communication training. And um, that's going to be something that's in probably almost all of your, your children's uh, behavior intervention plans. FCT is a form of appropriate communication that we teach our children to try and communicate their, their wants and needs appropriately rather than using their problem behavior in a manner of trying to, to communicate their need. So for example, if um, your child has difficulty doing schoolwork and either they need help or they need a break, um, we might be uh, training them to communicate that once they reach this level, they hand us this card or they say a particular phrase that matches their desire, which is, I need a break or I need help, and that way they don't need to use their problem behavior. So having those materials is very important. The same thing with any type of communication system. So if your child is using PECS, um, one of the electronic type versions of communication, if those types of things aren't available and your child can't communicate with you, you're going to see problem behavior arise. Okay, So um, that's important. Make sure that you have those things easily available and always available. Um, do you have all the reinforcers you're going to need? Reinforcers are going to come in the, the guise of tokens in some, for some of your children. Um, and along with the tokens, you're going to have a token board. So they're, depending on the schedule of reinforcement, and if you don't know what a schedule of reinforcement is, make sure that you speak with your BCBA. But a schedule of reinforcement simply means how often and when we're supplying that particular reinforcer. Um, is, are we doing it every time they comply with a demand? Are we, comply, are we uh, providing it on a time-based system? How are we doing that? So those are things that tokens, kind of along the lines of those visual um, charts, they uh, allow your child to know how they're doing. 
Um, so it, if they're on a schedule that they need to get 10 tokens before they're able to get a particular type of reinforcer, they watch as that token gets placed on the board and it lets them know I've got to do this many more before I get reinforced or how, whatever it is. Also know that whether you're using edible or non-edible reinforcers. So um, that's pretty easily understood. Um, and then again, just make sure you know what uh, your schedule of reinforcement is. Can't uh, emphasize enough, establish a plan for problem behavior. So what I'm trying to say is think ahead about the type of problem behavior your child demonstrates. Sometimes that's going to be multiple types of problem behavior. Some of your children have aggression. Some of them have self-injurious behavior. Some of them have property destruction. Some of them have all of those things. Um, so you want to have a plan. Whenever I go to work with a child um, or I go into some form of session, I think about all the things I'm going to need to do before I ever start. I think about the nature of the problem behavior. Um, so if you're dealing with someone who likes to pull hair, if you're dealing with someone who's a scratcher, if you're dealing with someone who bites, that tells me that I need to be aware that that's what, you're, what this individual is likely going to do. So I need to make sure that I position myself in, a, in a, a, a manner that makes it more difficult for them to be able to engage in that type of behavior successfully. So that means I may need to be slightly behind them and to the side rather than directly in front of them um, where someone can grab at you, they can scratch at you and various things like that. Okay. Um, have you made the environment safe uh, for yourself and others? So do you have protective equipment handy? Um, there's various types of protective equipment um, that may be necessary depending on the types of problem behavior you're faced with. Um, if uh, you work for CARD or if your uh, child is with CARD, um, it's possible that uh, um, if you need to have particular things like arm guards, shin guards, protective mats, various things like that, those things we can help you get ordered so that you have those inside your home. Um, if you are listening and you're not associated with CARD, um, talk with your BCBA. They should have uh, the availability as well of finding these uh, items online and giving you um, ideas through links, because all this stuff can be purchased um, online, oftentimes through Amazon. Okay. Um, so that you have the, the types of things that can keep yourself safe. Also consider, have you removed dangerous items? All right. So if you're working, if, if your child um, has property destruction, um, or they like to throw objects, things like that. Have you picked up those types of things that might easily um, become thrown and, and injure someone else? It's important that everyone in the household knows what to do if problem behavior escalates. And what I'm talking about here is that it's, they're not just engaging in their typical level of problem behavior, but they've reached a point where it's unsafe for you to be near them, they're unsafe for themselves. Um, so this is usually, we would 
call an all-out tantrum. Um, your child is out of control. Um, what's your plan? What do you plan on doing? Have you discussed this with your BCBA? So it could be that you need to have a safe area that's designated, particularly if you have other children, and they understand that when you say something about maybe you pick a particular code word or something like that, um, or when you tell them, go to this room, that they go in and they lock themselves into that room. And depending on the nature of your, your child's problem behavior, it may be necessary for you yourself to lock yourself into a room. Those are terrible uh, situations when they arise, but you have to keep yourself as safe as, as much as anyone else. Sometimes it's just too difficult to try and manage that particular problem behavior. Now, it's also an issue that you have to plan ahead depending on the level of, of severity of your child's problem behavior. You should have uh, discussed with your BCBA and you should discuss with your family when would it be necessary to call 911. This isn't going to be an issue for every family, but there are. it is going to be for some. So um, if that's a possibility for you um, because your child has become too aggressive and you can't safely manage them or maybe they're trying to run away or they have run away. You're going to need to call 911 um, and you definitely want to have a plan on when those uh, parameters or criteria are met and when to do it. And uh, we'll talk about this a little later in, uh, in the slideshow bit. It's probably not a bad idea if there's a possibility you think that you would have to call 911 is to have a conversation with your local area uh, law enforcement and give them a, a clue as to who your child is and the types of situations that you're dealing with. <clears throat> also consider, you know, choose your battles. Don't um, Consider that, it, that if you can't follow through with a demand, all right, so um, following through with a demand might mean that you need to physically guide your child to finish that. If you're not strong enough to physically guide your child, you may not want to place a particular demand, all right? So if your child's being a little bit hesitant or, or non-compliant, um, Try, rather than giving a big, all-encompassing demand, so rather than sitting, uh, giving them a demand to do the dishes, maybe it's better to start breaking that down into smaller portions. Like put the plate in the sink, and if they do that, we can provide them with some form of reinforcement, whether that's going to be praise or an edible or something like that. Then run the water. Break them down into smaller portions so that you can try and gain some victories. And that kind of falls along with using um, behavioral momentum. Um, the smaller and easier the demand and getting compliance helps start building overall compliance if, if things are being difficult. So think about what it is that you're going to do and, and choose your battles. And that would be the same thing is that um, if your child's being defiant and refusing to do a lot of different things. So there's probably going to be some of you where your child's going to refuse to get out of bed. So if that's an issue, 
what you can do is make sure that you're not letting them have um, highly preferred items during those times because then that becomes a struggle to try and regain those items from them. Use those highly preferred items to get them to do what you want them to do. So um, where I was talking about breaking things into smaller portions, you could use um, what we call high probability demands. All right? So you could use in an instance that your child doesn't want to get out of bed, that you just start giving them high probability demands such as touch your nose. Well, I guess maybe during the COVID, uh, this virus, we shouldn't be touching our face, but um, maybe clap your hands, do this, where you can, if they do it, we can reinforce them. Rather than give them that reinforcer, maybe it's an iPad, don't give that to them at that time. Put it on the dresser where they have to get out of bed and go get it to be able to get reinforced. So sometimes, um, just doing it for one demand is not enough because the, the amount of time that they would receive that item isn't going to be um, worth their while. But if you continue um, giving them demands and they comply with it, they can build up that time in which they can engage with that particular item. And then again, make it so it's a system where they have to get out of bed come over to a dresser to get it, and once you've got them up, move them out of the bedroom as quickly as you possibly can. So Art, can I just jump in and ask some questions for clarification here? Because you know, I know as a parent, you know, the child's not getting up out of bed, and we've all been pre-programmed to start like, you know, taking things away, like standing there and saying, you know, heaven knows I've been guilty of this before, that you're standing there and saying, you know, if you don't get up, you don't get your iPad. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not, we're not talking about that at all. You're saying just, you know, like put the iPad across the room um, and, and tell them they, they can go get it. Is that what you're saying? Make them earn it. So you yeah. put it across the room and then you give them that high probability demand where they earn access to it. But it depends on um, uh, the uh, magnitude of the reinforcement. So say it for just doing that little demand for um, they might have only gained access to the, the iPad for 10 seconds. That might not be reinforcing enough for them to get out of bed. But if you continue giving those little demands that they can be compliant with, it might build up to 30 seconds, which is then finally enough for them to get out of bed. So make them earn it and then put it in a position to where they have to do something that you want to accomplish rather than turning into a physical struggle to try and physically right. put them out of bed and giving them an opportunity to aggress toward you or, or make things more difficult for you. Okay, thank you. Sure. Um, okay. Da, 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 da. Right. And however, um, just be careful that you don't set a precedent um, to where you let your child get away with not completing demands or returning items. Um, sometimes, uh, again, it's, if it's going to turn into a major battle and you're not in a position to keep your other children safe or keep yourself safe, sometimes you just have to let them win. Um, but we want to try and uh, minimize those types of opportunities. And that's sort of part of planning ahead so that we don't get ourselves stuck in those types of 
situations. It can be important to uh, use an intervention that's called extinction. Um, extinction involves uh, the removal of the reinforcer that we think is, is uh, causing that problem behavior to occur. So um, if we think that problem behavior is associated with gaining your attention to, uh, and it's sensitive to you saying something along the lines of stop that or quit doing that, um, Rather than doing that, it's, you basically are ignoring the behavior. Extinction is one of the most powerful forms of, of uh, stopping power or problem behavior, um, but it's very difficult to do if you're not prepared to follow through. Okay? So what I mean is, is that when you use extinction, what's going to happen and is associated with using it is that the problem behavior initially is going to increase because what your child's going to do is they're going to continue doing what they're doing to see if you're really going to follow through. Are you really going to ignore me or are you really not going to give me that item? So um, one of the examples we often use when we're talking about extinction um, is um, the child that has a tantrum in the grocery line. Uh, because they don't get a candy bar. So they're going to plop down on the floor, they're going to scream, they're going to cry, they're going to kick, all looking to see, are you going to give in and give that to me? Or um, are you just going to keep on going and then pay for your goods and then go ahead and walk on out to the car? Um, that's an example of extinction. And once your child learns that that's what's going to happen, um, extinction can be very, very powerful at reducing the occurrence of those types of problem behaviors. Now, depending on the nature of the, the problem behavior, that's going to give you some, <laughs> um, you have to choose as to whether it's the right type of intervention that you would be using. Um, and of course, those types of things you're going to be discussing with your BCBA, okay? But what I would suggest is that um, if you don't know what to do, try not to say anything about something in the moment so that then you can uh, communicate with your BCBA um, as soon as possible to try and figure out how to deal with that particular issue. Shannon, did you have a question? Yeah, I just, uh, you know, so for, for parents who maybe are a little confused about that, sometimes our kids are doing things for attention. And even when we don't mean to, like when you said, you know, if we say stop that, that's just enough attention to ensure that it keeps on happening. So, so basically what you're saying then, Art, is if you're not sure how to respond, try to respond kind of neutrally so that we're not feeding the machine. Because um, if we're giving it the attention, then it's for sure going to come back. So it is super important to be conveying these things to whoever your supervisor is, to whoever your BCBA is, so that they can help you through these, correct? That's right. what you just said. Right. Um, and then just along with that, new behaviors may pop up. So when you're successful um, at dealing with a particular type of problem behavior, let's say your child engages in self-injurious behavior. Self-injurious behavior might be where they hit themselves in the head uh, with their fist or their open hand. Um, whenever possible, we want to try and block that type of behavior from occurring. And what happens most often 
when you're successful at stopping a child from engaging and being able to hit themselves, they'll usually switch topographies, which means they'll go from trying to hit themselves with their hand to now maybe they try to, to bring a knee up and hit themselves in the chin. Or they get angry because they're not getting what they want out of striking themselves, and they become aggressive. So they may try to reach up and grab you and scratch you. They may try to hit you, or they may try to bite you. So you need to be aware that new behaviors can occur when you're successful at dealing with another type of behavior. Okay. So when that happens, um, make sure that you make note of, of what the new behavior is, if this is something you haven't seen before, and notify your supervisor or BCBA as soon as you possibly can, but do your best not to attend to that new behavior. Now, if it's something that's causing them harm, obviously you want to be blocking it as much as possible. And the same sort of thing. If it's aggressive um, and it's going to hurt you, you want to try and block it as best that you possibly can, okay? Um, uh, but again, so let's say that uh, it was a behavior where they injured themselves, maybe they gave themselves a bloody nose. Um, and this isn't something that's typically in their repertoire, try to deal with cleaning up that bloody nose without making a, a big ordeal over it and giving them any more reinforcement than they've already received. So, um, again, this is easier said than done when it's your child and they're hurt and they're bleeding um, to just be sort of clinical about it and just dab their nose clean, and move on. Uh, but if possible, that's kind of the best way to try and go about it if you can, okay? Maybe well after the fact, you might, maybe 15 minutes or so, you could give them a little bit of more concerned care than in the moment. Uh, okay, one stratagem that you might use um, is giving your child choices. So um, you've got your uh, child being a little bit stubborn. It's time to go. Um, it's time to go back inside. You've been out and you've been playing for a while out in the backyard, um, and they don't want to go back in. Give them a choice. We can do this for one more minute, or we can go inside and we can do this. Um, for this type of, uh, uh, at this moment, and give them a choice and make them choose which one it is that they want so that uh, uh, you can then take control of the, the situation again. Sienna, do you have a better example? I don't think that was a really good one. I think it was good. Shannon, did you um, want us to spend a little more time going over this particular section or are you ready for us to keep going? Okay, let's keep okay. going. We'll keep going. All right, another uh, strategy. I'm sorry, I was, I was muted and I didn't realize it. Um, people have been writing in and asking if there's a way that they're gonna be able to access this PowerPoint later on so that they can go over it themselves. So I think sure. that if they are able to watch it, I think we should keep on because we're running out of time. Um, okay. But if they aren't able to access it, maybe we should take a minute. What do you think? 
They can access it. I can get this to you. Okay. So then I think we should move on. And then okay. when people have questions, we're going to be here live every day. They can be writing in and asking the questions and, um, and have the opportunity to go over this on their, on their own uh, time. But I think keep on going, Art. All right, so I'll try and speed it up then. Another strategy that you can use is enriching the environment. So consider that when you're busy, you've got to do a phone call, you're preparing dinner, you're dealing with uh, another one of your children, you've got to do work for your job. Um, enrich the environment for them. So give them multiple things that they can do. That might be having access to several different types of highly preferred items. So that keeps them occupied rather than constantly bugging you for attention or I want this or to do that, okay? So that's what enriched environment would be. Uh, reinforcers, reinforcers are typically multiple types of things. It could be praise where you're telling them great job for doing something. Um, it could be a small piece of edible, um, depending on the, the schedule of reinforcement, the size of those reinforcers are going to change. If you have to wait, work a lot to gain that edible, um, you probably get a whole Oreo rather than just a tiny little piece for just doing one particular uh, portion of it. If you're using non-edibles, it could be various types of things such as toys, games, it could be hugs, it could be the tokens themselves. Uh, tokens often work as reinforcers. But the, the reason that reinforcement's important is it's what motivates us to do things. So if you're getting a paycheck, that's one of your reinforcers. It motivates you to do your job. And for most of us, that reinforcer makes us happy. And, um, but Art, it's important for us to remember, right, that what's reinforcing to us isn't necessarily reinforcing to our kiddos. And if something is reinforcing to your kiddo this morning, it may not be the thing that's reinforcing this afternoon. So we got to be changing that stuff up, right? Yes, yes, that's, that's a great point. And the other thing to, to be aware of, too, is that if, you, if you're using a reinforcer too much, it's going to lose its reinforcing qualities. So you probably want to have multiple options available to you and you want to rotate through those various reinforcers. Um, and if you're using reinforcers for work, uh, schoolwork, then we do, um, when we're doing ABA sessions, we do what's called a, uh, uh, a preference assessment where we ask them, here's a couple different items choose what it is that you want to work for to get this done. So it could be two separate toys, it, whatever it is, but let them choose what they want to work for rather than us picking for them. Thank you, Shannon. That's a very good point. I'm sorry. I and, and I just want to say too, as far as I mentioned this the other day on the show, you and I have a very good friend that uh, I learned so much from her that she has one thing that she knows her kids love. They love Kool-Aid. And when it's time for homework or schoolwork, that is the only time that Kool-Aid is allowed and she puts a big picture of it on the table and they can drink as much Kool-Aid as they want if they're doing their schoolwork, which I, I think that is absolutely brilliant. Now, Kool-Aid wouldn't be the thing for my kid, but that thing of having that special reinforcer and it's only available when we're working on schoolwork. I love that. So, um why do problem behaviors occur? You just have to, to remember that problem behavior is going to be a form of communication. They're trying to tell us something by using their, their problem behavior. So if we think that it's um, due to trying to get your attention, 
It could be that I want you to play with me or I need your attention. Um, if they're engaging in it because they don't like doing work, what we call escape. If I don't want to do this or I need help um, or I need a break. Um, if it's a tangible, which is, a, is an object, which could be um, uh, having access to a particular toy or an activity or something along the lines of that, it's that I want to do this more or I want that, that particular toy back. Um, and then there's uh, two different types of automatic reinforcement. Automatic reinforcement is an all-encompassing term for something that there's something about that particular behavior is reinforcing in its own right. Um, sometimes they're telling us they hurt when they engage in a particular type of behavior, and then other times they're telling us that this feels good. So stereotypic behavior like hand flapping or waving, typically that's something that makes them feel good. It settles them down. Whereas if they're hitting the, or they're scratching at their stomach all the time, um, that's probably telling us that maybe they have to go to the bathroom, maybe they're constipated, maybe they hurt, something along the lines of that. So problem behavior is a form of communication. Continue planning ahead. Um, so this kind of goes along with an enriched environment, but let's say your child is sensitive to attention. You've got to do a, a phone call or you need to prepare dinner or something along the lines of that. Spend five minutes of really high quality attention with your child before you start that long activity and see if maybe that doesn't help settle them down so that they aren't constantly bothering you for things. Um, and then if it's a really long activity, you may have to schedule in little breaks to where you can attend to your child. Um, and uh, be sure to praise your child when they do something that they're asked to do, provide tokens or other reinforcers uh, on their schedule of reinforcement. Um, also planning ahead, if your child engages in a particularly dangerous behavior that's called PICA, which is the ingestion of inedible objects, it's important that you know CPR um, or that you at least know the Heimlich maneuver. Be aware that any item that can fit through a toilet paper tube can be swallowed. Um, make sure that your child's environment's been scanned and that environment's clear of anything that's small enough to ingest and then offer alternatives. Um, give them items that they can put their mouth on but are too large for them to be able to get inside their mouths to swallow. So maybe a, a ball, something along the lines of that. Some of your, your children may have uh, mouthing tubes. Now this is different. Pica is different than mouthing. Mouthing is simply putting their mouths on an object. Pica is where they want to eat and swallow this inedible object. Um, so it's very, very dangerous. Okay, so make sure that you're scanning your environment for, for items that they can do that to. Does your child hit themselves? Um, if they do, make sure that you have protective equipment. That could be mats, arm guards. Um, I use beanbag chairs whenever possible to help me block things. Pillows can work in a pinch. And then um, what I really love, particularly if your child engages in uh, behavior like head banging where they bang their head on hard surfaces, is use those foam garden kneelers. Those are very easy to, to manipulate. You can, they have a handle, and you can get it between their head and a hard surface very quickly. What's very, very, very important, if your child engages in hand, head banging, 
foot banging their head against the hard surface. You have to have some form of protective equipment with you at all times. So a pillow or a garden kneeler are perfect for uh, working with, with your children because it's instinctual to try and put your hand or part of your body between their head and a hard surface. And if you do that, you're going to get injured. So don't do that. Please, please, please never, ever do that. Okay? Um, then you also have to consider when you let SID occur. All right? Sometimes your child is, is when they bite their hand, uh, if you try to block that or if you are constantly pulling their hand out of their mouth, you're making it happen more. So this is a fine line. Sometimes you're better off letting them bite if they're not actually breaking their skin and causing a real injury other than some redness, sometimes it's better to let them engage in that behavior. That's something that you want to talk with your, uh, your BCBA and your supervisor about. It's just something to consider. Okay. Uh, does your child hit, kick, bite, pull hair? Um, always know where their head is and mouth are in relationship to you. So don't let yourself get headbutted by putting your head right next to theirs without having a hand on top of their head. So what I'm describing is just take the flat part of your hand and place it on top of their head if you have to bring your head in close proximity to theirs so that they can't come forward and bite you or they can't headbutt you. Okay, make sure you uh, try to stay away from being directly in front of them. So don't bend over in front of your child to tie their shoes. If, if they need to have, have help tying their shoes, feet to their side and then lift their foot up so it rests on your knee so that you can reach over and tie their shoe. It's harder for them to kick you from that position. Dress appropriately. So if they're dealing with someone who scratches or pinches or bites, Use protective equipment, so that could be arm guards. It could be wearing long sleeves with very heavy um, uh, material, so something like a denim jacket or something like that that gives you a little bit more protection. And then if you're working with a hair puller, make sure that you keep your hair pulled back um, and as tight to your head as possible and wear hats whenever possible. Um, just remember, don't reach in front of your child's mouth and um, does your child break or throw things? Make the environment as safe as possible. Remove as many uh, throwable items or objects away. Consider giving them soft items that they can throw. Um, whenever I work with one of these types of kids um, in a session room, I usually offer them um, soft uh, plush toys so that if they're going to throw it and it makes contact with me, I'm not going to get hurt by it. Make sure that you hide all the precious family heirlooms. Don't let those get destroyed or let them get thrown. And then use protective mats. You can use a seat or a sofa cushion. You can use beanbag chairs to help block things being thrown and protecting yourself, getting those in front of you. Um, if your child engages in running away, which we call elopement, make sure that your exits or your homes are locked and child and or child-proofed. Um, don't block the exits with furniture or things like that. Make sure that they're locked somehow and that others can get in if it's an emergency type situation or others know how to work those locks to get out. Um, 
If possible, install child door and window alarms. Um, you can get these via Amazon. Um, Bed Bath & Beyond carry those, and I don't know if Babies R Us is still a viable um, option, but uh, any of those baby type stores um, always had these types of materials available. Um, be sure to stay within arm's reach if you're out of doors and your child has a habit of running away. Um, your BCBA should be giving you strategies to teach appropriate walking, and it's probably a very good idea that if your child has a history of running away, um, if, they, if you haven't already uh, had contact with law enforcement, that you um, maybe give them a picture of your child and let them know that they have a history of, of doing this and uh, that your particular types of situations so they know how to respond in the event that your child uh, runs away. Um, lastly, um, make sure that you consult with your BCBA or your uh, case supervisor to talk about what you need to do for problem behavior. Um, be ready to stay flexible, all right? So not everything's going to be worth having a battle over. Sometimes just let it go. Um, you got to take care of yourselves too, all right? So make sure that in all this, the one thing that we haven't talked about is it's every bit as important that you take care of your own mental uh, and physical health. So make sure that you're um, in those daily activities and daily schedules. You're scheduling something in just for you um, so that you get that time to get away, spend some time on the rowing machine, the bike, get out for a walk, whatever you can to de-stress yourself because this is going to be a very, very stressful time. So you need to, to watch out for yourself as much as you do the rest of your family. Um, Remember that uh, if you don't know what to do in the moment, it's always best to try not saying anything about it um, in that particular moment, but then consult your BCBA or your, uh, your supervisor as soon as possible. Try to be prepared as, as much as you possibly can, and then all you can do is you can only do the best that you can do, and that's all anybody can ever do. So don't beat yourself up when things are hard if you can't do everything. Um, nobody can. Thank you so much, Art. Um, if you want to stop sharing that, we'll find a way to be able to get this PowerPoint um, in a place where you guys can access it. Um, but Dr. Greener Wooten, um, is there stuff that you would like to add at this point? There. I don't think so. I think um, one of the probably most important of you know, all of the slides that Art just reviewed is the one regarding function. Just remembering that somebody is engaging in challenging behavior. So if you can figure out the why behind it, even if you don't know exactly what intervention is supposed to be utilized, knowing the why can help you start to think through okay, if they are biting me because it seems like they're wanting something that I have, um, I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to do in that situation, but thinking through what is a more appropriate way of them accessing that thing that they want that I have other than biting. It's a great first step. Um, so always, I think, keeping that in mind along with safety. Um, so if you have a child who engages in some sort of severe challenging behavior, strategies to, to keep everybody safe and to make sure you have 
protective equipment um, and have a crisis plan in place um, are, are extremely important. So know what needs to happen if something does get to the point of needing to bring in additional um, emergency personnel or if there's been an injury or those types of things so that when you're in the crisis, um, you have that plan that you're already familiar with. Yeah, uh, super important. Uh, you know, and I, I just wanna say for uh, a lot of our families that are out there, uh, you know, as much as you can do ahead of time, you know, these strategies that they were giving about setting up a really enriching environment, about giving your kiddos an opportunity to make a choice. I think we're all feeling like we're out of control right now. And so our kiddos are too. And if they have a choice, you know, if we can head these things off before they happen so much the better, um, but sometimes it's too late, right? And so utilize these strategies that they have given you guys. We've, we've gone over what our uh, prescribed time was for the live show, but we, you know, we had a little break there in the middle. So I just want to thank the two of you for taking the time to put this together. Um, and Art will be in contact with you so that we can get the PowerPoint and find a way to get it to viewers who want that. I do want to say that tomorrow on the live show, we are having, I'm not 100% sure who, it's either going to be Dr. Doreen Grampichet answering your, your questions, or it will be Evelyn Kung. Um, the clinical director at the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. So if you have questions from these, from this presentation, um, they can answer your questions as well tomorrow. But thank you so much, Art and Dr. Greener Wooten for being with us today. If you guys wanna go ahead and drop off the call, I'm just gonna do our ender here. And then we're gonna um, say goodbye for today. Uh, but I do want to let folks know, bye-bye. Um, and I don't know why I'm small and everything else is so big, but it doesn't matter. You can still see me. Um, I don't know why that is, but we're not gonna question it. Uh, don't forget, if you are a CARD family, we are doing those free webinars in the afternoon too. Um, those are at four o'clock every day and check your email because you have codes uh, to them that came to you from the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. But again, back here tomorrow, with either um, Dr. Doreen Grampichet for Ask Dr. Doreen or Evelyn Kung, Clinical Director at CARD. So we will see you then. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>